Well, hello, it's great to be together and to get into God's words together. And today I wanna bring us back to a foundational issue of our faith, which is this. You have a father in heaven who loves you. That is a foundational issue of our faith. And I'm gonna warn you right up front that the punchline of this message is not gonna be something to do or something to go and activate or achieve. The punchline of this message is gonna be something to believe and something to enjoy. Something to believe and something to enjoy. Uh, I had a beautiful little prophetic encouragement recently that this was a season of more wooing and less doing more wooing and less doing. And I love that because ultimately our lives have to be one of overflow because we are amazed with who God is. As a friend of mine once said, if you live amazed with God, you will live an amazing life. And actually the answer for transformation in the world starts not with more works, but it starts with more wonder. If we will live in a place of wonder and behold God and enjoy our Father in heaven and his love for us, our lives will overflow with life for others as well. You see, if you divorce works from wonder, it's very easy to start living a lifestyle of legalism and duty rather than a life overflowing with delight in God and his delight in you. And so today we're going to remind ourselves of the wonder and delight of the gospel. Gospel simply means good news. And I love what one writer N.T. Wright says about good news. He says, the gospel is not good advice. It's a good announcement. The gospel is an announcement that there is a father who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is an announcement of something good, something that God has done and in the light of which our lives can never be the same again. And so I want to remind us today about the gospel, this good announcement that God in his goodness has done something, which means our lives can never be the same again. And of course, Jesus teaches us how to pray by first looking up before he teaches us to pray for daily bread or for the kingdom to come or for our sins to be forgiven, before any of these things, Jesus says, listen, when you pray, first say, Abba, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And that is really a key to the Christian life, that before we're called to be human doings, we are called to be human beings, those that found find their being in looking up in Abba Father and so I want to talk a bit about our adoption into the Father's family and the difference that this makes for our lives as Christian believers and this is a huge theme in the New Testament we're just going to read a few short verses in Galatians chapter 4 and starting from verse 4 this is the New Living Translation Paul the writer of this particular uh, uh, letter says this but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. 
and now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you also his heir notice what Paul says in this passage he says God sent him sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who are slaves so that he could adopt us as his very own children we need to understand what Paul is saying here Paul is saying that the ultimate goal of the cross was not the forgiveness of sins but the adoption of children notice what Paul says God sent his son to free slaves so that he could adopt us as his very own children behind the legality of justification is the joy of adoption God deals with sin at the cross so that so that you and I might become his children and he might become our heavenly father the goal of the cross was always the adoption of sons and daughters into the father's family that we would know him and enjoy him forever that's the good news of the gospel the cross makes the ultimate goal of the father possible and that's why j.i packer one theologian says this that adoption is the highest blessing of the gospel it's the highest blessing that you and i be welcomed as sons and daughters into the father's family and so here are just three short truths about the father and our adoption into his family for us to believe and to enjoy today and here's the first one you are accepted by the father you are accepted by the father uh, romans 15:7 says this accept one another then just as christ accepted you in order to bring praise to god this word acceptance here in the greek is a powerful powerful greek word and i'll probably do a hash job of pronouncing it um but the word is this proslambano which means to lay hold of with initiative or to intensely welcome and so when paul is saying listen accept one another just as god has accepted you it's this word proslambano which means to intensely welcome uh, to lay hold of with initiative and that's the feel that we get here when we're adopted into the father's family that he takes initiative to lay hold of us and he intensely welcomes us into his family that's the kind of father he is and many of you will recall the famous parable of Jesus about the prodigal son uh, this son who uh, was a wayward child he rebelled against his father he takes his share of the inheritance early he leaves his father's household and he squanders the father's inheritance on prostitutes and wild living and wild drinking and finally comes to his senses and and thinks i'm going to return home to my father and and maybe he'll take me back as just a hired servant but i must return to my father and as the son this wayward son returns on the journey home to the father he discovers a father who has already left home and is running towards him to meet him and the language in that parable is of, of a father who hitches up his robe and runs to meet the wayward son and that is the picture here of a father who doesn't walk he runs 
your father in heaven intensely welcomes you. He takes initiative to lay hold of you and to embrace you and to welcome you home into his arms, even while you're still smelling of pigs and in the stench of your sin. The father runs towards us. You know, I heard a story once of a father who lost sight of his little girl on the beach they were on a family holiday he turned his back just for a few moments and when he turned back around he couldn't see his little daughter anywhere and scoured the beach and there were hundreds of people on the beach it was summertime and suddenly you know that if you've ever lost your child you'll know that that kind of ice in your veins that suddenly just fills you with panic as you think, where are they? And this father described beginning to comb the beach and asking people, have you seen my daughter? She's small, she has blonde hair, um, have you seen her? And then eventually he spies her across the other end of the beach. And do you think that father walked or ran to his daughter? He ran, he ran and he scooped up his lost child in his arms and rejoice that he'd found his wayward lost child. And that's the picture of our heavenly father. He accepts us and it's a powerful acceptance. It's an embrace, it's a welcome, it's an initiative from a father who finds us wherever we are. And you see this truth about our acceptance into the father's family uh, breaks this old identity lie that we are rejected and of course many of us have had experiences of being rejected by people in our lives um, but now that we're in Christ that's no longer who we are we are no longer rejected people we are accepted people in Christ and even as Christians we can sometimes still get stuck in the cycle of rejection that old identity lie that I'm a rejected being and rejection simply means unwanted or thrown away and many of us have had those experiences of feeling unwanted or thrown away or cast aside by other people and we can get stuck in a cycle of rejection and the cycle of rejection is this is that because I believe I am rejected I will reject others before they have an opportunity to reject me, which will reinforce my understanding that I am a rejected person. Uh, as John Maxwell, the leadership writer says, he says, hurt people hurt others and are easily hurt by them. It's this vicious cycle that so many of us go round in our lives where we keep people at arm's length because we don't want them to hurt us because we already feel hurt. It's this cycle of rejection that we can easily get stuck in and it can cause us to live uh, paralyzing lives of fear and shallow relationships, being risk averse, not ever taking our masks down to truly be known. Rejection is a powerful, powerful emotion that can rule our lives. But the truth of our acceptance in our adoption into God's family shifts this lie and it breaks that light. And now we have this new truth flooding our hearts. I am accepted by my father. He welcomes me intensely into his arms. You know, someone uh, said this quote recently that religion says I messed up. Uh, my dad's going to kill me. But grace says I messed up. I better call my dad. Which one of those statements most describes you? I've messed up, my dad's gonna kill me. Or 
I've messed up. I better call my dad. You see, in the gospel, we can come to our father and know that he accepts us. And today, you may be in your own sin. You may feel like, gosh, I have really messed up. If I come to God with this stuff, he's going to reject me. He's going to kill me. No, no, no. The opposite is true. If you bring your heart humbly, honestly to God the Father, he will accept you and forgive you and welcome you back home. Which way are you living? You know, the antidote to rejection is this. God wants you. God wanted you. He's not a God who rejects. He's a God who accepts. He wants you. He loves you. He likes you. In fact, Ephesians 1, 3 puts it so powerfully. It says this, for God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It was God's good pleasure to save you. In fact, he didn't like it when you weren't around. He accepts you. This is the kind of father that you have. The second truth about our adoption and about God the Father is that you have a father who now affirms you, who says yes to you. Uh, Romans 1, 7 says this, to all the beloved of God in Rome, writing to the Romans, but describing God's people that we are now the beloved of God. That means that we are affirmed by God, that God delights over us, that he says yes to us. In fact, again, the Greek word that's used there is agapeo, which means to long for or to love or to take great pleasure in. This is the truth of the gospel, the wonder of your father in heaven, that he takes great delight in you. Just just drink that truth in just for a moment. Just, just say that over yourself. God takes great delight in me. Wow. The God of the universe who made everything, the all-powerful, the almighty, the perfectly holy, glorious, good God, he delights in me. Wow. What a truth. You see, the power of affirmation is that God says yes to us and scripture actually says this that God chose us before we chose him that he loves us before we loved him which means that God affirms us and loves us and chooses us before we even choose to clean up our act and our behavior he says yes to us before we say yes to him he's the one that takes initiative in this relationship he's the God who steps in and says listen yes there's stuff to sort out but you need to know this first I love you and I sent my son for you that you might become my child this is the power of the affirmation of God the Father and it's called grace the grace of God you know a good friend of mine many years ago was in a season of terrible backsliding from his faith and he'd, he'd once burned very brightly for God but then got stuck and 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 more and more just began to turn his back on his faith turn his back on God and get into all sorts of uh, trouble in his life and just became very very wayward and many people tried to talk to him and encourage him to come back to God, but just he seemed absolutely stuck for many, many years. And then one day he was in his office just working, doing his job, 
and suddenly the words of an old song that he used to sing started to go round in his brain and he started to just sing the words in his own mind as he was in his office and and the words of the song went like this oh i love you lord i really love you lord i will never understand how you loved me you're my deepest joy you're my heart's delight but the greatest thing of all oh lord i see is that you delight in me and as he got to that last line you delight in me suddenly the dam burst in his heart and he just began to weep uncontrollably in the middle of his office he had to run to the nearest toilet cubicle and just sob his heart out as he returned to the father in that moment how did it come about he suddenly remembered that god delights in me even when i'm wayward and unclean and far away i have a father who affirms me who delights in me friends you have a father who delights in you Zephaniah says that actually he's a God who rejoices over you with extravagant singing and dancing he's the whirling God who rejoices over even one sinner who repents and returns home the father delights in you what a beautiful truth and again if we could understand this truth, what it does is that it breaks the old cycle of performance-based living where we get our sense of well-being from results. That if I perform well, then I will get affirmation. But the gospel breaks that because it says God loves you before you even loved him. He chose you before you chose him. He's the God who brings delight before results. This is the gospel. And you know, ultimately, if your sense of worth is going to be defined by results, you will live an exhausting life. You will live a life that is like a yo-yo, up one moment and down the next, depending on how well you performed. If you're living for affirmation rather than from affirmation, your life will tend to be pretty driven. But here is a beautiful truth. In the gospel, in your adoption, you have a father who delights you in you and affirms you before you've even done one single thing your god delights in you and your security no longer rests on your performance it rests on christ he's done it for you the third and the last truth about our adoption into god's family is that we now have free access to the father ephesians 2 18 says this for through him we have access to the father by one spirit you have access to God the Father all the time every single day of your life you can come freely to your Father God who receives you uh, with open arms you know I call this heavenly fridge rights you know fridge rights are when I go home to my parents even though I left many many years ago I still feel like I have fridge rights in my father's house somehow because I'm a Wilfew when I go home into his household there's something that means that I have access that other people don't. I can open the fridge, I can rummage around, I can make a sandwich, I can get a drink. You know, I have access in a way that other people who aren't sons would not have. But because I know who I am in my father's house, I have access. And it's the same for you and I. In our father's house, we have access to him. 
And this breaks that old identity lie of exclusion, that I'm powerless, that I have no resource, that, that I am, I'm on the outside and, I, and, I, and I'm excluded. No, 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 no. The gospel, the good news is this. You have been included in Christ and you now have access to the Father. I had a beautiful little example of that this week. You know, uh, my wife, Carol, has got chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, ME, and we've been applying for PIP payments, personal independent payments from the government to help uh, supplement our income because she can't work through sickness. And we have now been through almost a two-year process of two failed appeals. And we went to the last, we've been waiting on the last bit of the process, which was a tribunal, an independent tribunal to rule whether she was eligible for support. And just this last week, we got the letter through after uh, I think 18 to 19 months of waiting of no support saying, you've been turned down at tribunal and we're not gonna give you anything. And to be honest, when we opened the letter, we felt disappointed, we felt discouraged, I felt pretty angry, it felt unjust. I mean, all those emotions just were flooding through us. And, and I think I could easily have been tempted to go down into self-pity and think, gosh, I'm just, I'm powerless. I have no access. You know, I, 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 I'm on the outside. God, what's going to happen now? But literally within an hour of getting that letter, I read a quote from a lady called Jackie Pullinger, who worked for many years with drug addicts in Hong Kong. And she was asked the question by Jay John, who said, how do you handle discouragement? And this was our answer, and I'll read you exactly what she said. She says, well, discouragement doesn't come very often. I think discouragement comes if your hope is in results and mine isn't, and your hope is in men and mine isn't. <laughs> I mean, when she said those words, it, it hit me like an arrow in the heart. Discouragement doesn't happen very often because discouragement happens when your hope is in men and mine isn't. And God met me in that moment. I just remember just turning to him and saying, God, my hope is not in governments that supply my needs. My hope is in you. And you know, the very next day, we got some provision <laughs> from a surprising source. And God just immediately answered that moment of choosing to trust in our access that we have. Friends, we could say so much more, but let me conclude. 1 John 3, 1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Friends, this season is one of more wooing and less doing. Yes, there's going to be a call to obedience, to obey the word of God, but listen, ultimately, all obedience flows out of love. It flows out of living in wonder at your Father God who loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And this really is the punchline of the story. You have a heavenly Father who loves you, who delights in you, who says yes to you. And this is the gospel. It's the announcement of something so extravagantly good that we have to live our lives differently as a result of it. And so today, here's the punchline. Believe that your Father loves you and enjoy that truth today. Amen.